Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called historycentral.com. Also, John Miltimore will be joining us. He's editor-at-large for uh, Fee.org. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now author of several murder mysteries, Jim will be joining us as well. It is February the 5th, and on this day in 1631, Roger Williams, the founder of Rhode Island, an American religious leader, arrived in Boston and Massachusetts Bay Colony from England. Williams, the Puritan, worked as a teacher before serving briefly as a colorful pastor at Plymouth and then at Salem. Within a few years of his arrival, he alarmed the Puritan oligarchy of Massachusetts by speaking out against the right of civil authorities to punish religious dissension and to confiscate Indian land. In October 1635, he was banished from Massachusetts Bay Colony by the General Court. After leaving Massachusetts, Williams, with the assistance of the Narragansett tribe, established a settlement at the junction of two rivers near Narragansett Bay, located in present-day Rhode Island. He declared the settlement opened all those seeking freedom of conscience and removal of the church from civil matters, and many dissatisfied Puritans came. Uh, Taking success of the venture as a sign from God, Williams named the community Providence. Among those who uh, found a haven in the religious and political refuge of Rhode Island Colony were Anne Hutchinson, like Williams, exiled from Massachusetts for religious reasons. Uh, Some of the first Jews to settle in North America came to uh, Providence, and the Quakers. In Providence, uh, Roger Williams founded the first Baptist church in America and edited the first dictionary of American uh, Native American languages. Roger Williams, one of my culture heroes. Uh, 150 years before it was written into the Constitution, he uh, believed in the Bill of Rights. Well, U.S. stocks finished higher on Friday, driven by strong gains from big tech stocks like Meta Platforms, Amazon, uh, Microsoft, and NVIDIA. The S&P 500 and Dow Jones Industrial Average logged fresh record closing highs, their seventh and ninth of the year, respectively, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite logged a fresh 52-week closing high. Investment guru Scott Besant, CEO of Keystone Capital Management, concluded stocks returned 35.2% above trend when Trump was favored versus 3.4% when Biden was in the lead. So in other words... uh, I saw this guy on the Steve Bannon show. He's really very interesting, but uh, says that uh, when people believe that Trump is going to be the president, the markets perform much better. The U.S. economy added 353,000 non-farm jobs in January, exceeding economists' estimates of 185,000. Uh, December's upwardly revised 333,000 jobs, according to government's data released one, uh, yesterday. <clears throat> The unemployment rate held steady at 3.7% for the third consecutive month. The latest jobs report comes from the Federal Reserve this week, continued to keep its benchmark federal funds rate at a range between 525 and 5.5%. 
The Fed's decision marks the fourth straight meeting in which the central bank has opted to hold rates at the highest level in more than two decades. The Fed tentatively plans to lower rates three times this year, though Chairman Jerome Powell said a rate cut is unlikely to come by the group's next meeting in March. The core personal consumption expenditures price index, the Fed's preferred inflation gauge, rose to 2.9% year-over-year in December. The Fed is targeting 2% annual rate. Most of the jobs in January added in professional and business services. It's good news that it's not the government, but uh, nevertheless, <clears throat> uh, we're going to probably not see a rate cut, probably not until May, maybe even November. We'll see. <clears throat> well, senators have unveiled a border deal. It's a bipartisan approach to tackle the migrant crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border, which saw more than 2.4 million apprehensions in the last physical year. If passed, the $118 billion package would require President Biden to shut down the border as necessary and would tighten asylum requirements. The deal would also include money for Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan, as well as humanitarian aid for Palestinians in Gaza. President Biden urged Congress to get the bill to his desk. Still, the measure faces an uphill battle. With an initial vote expected this week, it comes as the Fed warns that the U.S. needs to check its wallet. By the way, uh, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, said it's dead on arrival, so it really is an uphill battle. Yesterday, Fed Reserve Chairman uh, Jerome Powell gave a 60-minute interview in which he said the U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path. He indicated that Americans shouldn't expect lower interest rates next month, but instead possible sometime later this year, as we said. Powell made it clear that he wants inflation down to predictable levels so Americans can get groceries in peace before he loosens control. Americans have a range of issues that they're prioritizing for 2024, with polls showing the economy and immigration topping the list uh, for most voters. Well, roughly 37 million Californians were under flood watches or warnings across the state yesterday as an intense storm system began pushing inland while moving southward from the great San Francisco region. Uh, Wind gusts reached 85 miles per hour and had knocked out power at at least 860,000 customers up and down the coast while more than 100 flights out of San Francisco were canceled. Uh, Forecast suggests Southern California may see a month's worth of rain over the course of the next three days, with officials in issuing targeted evacuation orders in areas near uh, recent fires, wildfires, which make hills more susceptible to landslides and debris flow. Uh, the storm is expected to drop between four and eight feet of snow in the Upper Sierra Nevada. It's incredible. We, uh, we lived in California for ten years, and boy, the mudslides are real critical issues in Southern California and Northern California as well. Well, President Joe Biden claimed a win in the South Carolina Democrat presidential primary on Saturday, signaling a start to his pursuit of re-election in 2024. The Democrat National Committee sanctioned polls concluded at 7 p.m. with the Associated Press promptly declaring Biden by winner at 7.23 p.m., Challengers Marianne Williamson and Representative Dean Phillips were overmatched as initial counts showed Biden ahead with a staggering 97% of the early votes. Despite the success at the polls, the overall turnout was pretty subdued, with some precincts and urban regions reporting low engagement by afternoon. 
Media headlines hyped his 96% victory in the South Carolina primary. Few mentioned that it was a 4% turnout for the electorate, just 4%. Not a lot of enthusiasm for Biden uh, with that kind of a turnout. Biden's strategic decision to prioritize South Carolina over traditional early voting states like Iowa and New Hampshire uh, acknowledges the state's demographic significance and contributions to his 2020 campaign revival. So Biden wins, but uh, pretty poor turnout. Well, over two-thirds of House Democrats voted Thursday in opposition to a bipartisan measure that was passed and, if enacted, could result in immigrants living in the U.S. illegally being deported for DUIs and convictions. Under the Protect Our Communities from DUIs Act, driving while intoxicated or impaired would be grounds for barring a non-citizen uh, alien under federal law from admission into the United States or deporting the individual. The uh, vote tally was 215 Republicans, 59 Democrats in favor of the bill, and 150 Democrats, including House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries, voting against it. Why? That makes no sense. The bill passed 274 to 150. We'll see what happens if it gets when it gets to the Senate. Well, in a comprehensive new study, experts have scrutinized the United States' response to COVID-19 pandemic, highlighting significant mishandling that may have contributed to the nation's experiencing one of the highest death tolls globally. Professor Gavin Yamey from Duke University and Anna Rouse from Drexel University pinpointed a cascade of missteps beginning with the federal government's inadequate communication strategies. Their findings, published at the British Medical Journal, assert that these early shortcomings set the stage for a disjointed and often misinformed public health response. Critically, the study called into attention the prolonged closure of schools across various states, judged to be excessive by the researchers in light of the subsequent data indicating safe reopening conditions. Such delays in returning to in-person education, they contend, deprive children of crucial learning experiences and social interactions, as well as the opportunity to build natural immunity to a range of viruses during their informative years. Moreover, the researchers argue that their restrictive measures, like mandatory masking in outdoor settings and enforcing six-foot social distancing, were not only overly cautious, but lack foundation in scientific research, particularly concerning transmission outdoors or via surfaces. This conservative stance, primarily observed in states with Democrat leadership, also extended to prolonged closure of public parks, playgrounds, and beaches, despite <laughs> you can't go swimming at the beach. Can you believe that? Growing evidence underscoring the minimal risks of outdoor COVID transmission. As unintended consequences of these policies, the United States has witnessed a steep rise in chronic health conditions such as obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. This worrisome trend was documented in a Gallup poll surveyed over 5,000 adults nationwide. The professors criticized the federal structure, which resulted in an inconsistent pandemic experience for Americans, heavily relying on state governance and local zip codes. The analysis suggests that the fragmented approach fueled a varied and at times contradictory set of guidelines and regulations. The study urges a critical evaluation of U.S. policy-making mechanisms during public health emergencies, emphasizing the need for timely evidence, consistent and clear communication, and policies that are calibrated to reflect the evolving scientific understanding of health crisis. Sounds to me like there wasn't a lot of 
scientific understanding of uh, the policies that were put in place at the, uh, in the first place. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty skeptical of what I hear from pu public health sources, except for uh, our Dr. Lapido here from uh, the state of, of uh, Florida. He's uh, a good man, and I think he gives good advice for us, and I think we should heed it as opposed to the CDC. Uh, as the Republican National Convention has its annual meeting this past week in Las Vegas, several GOP members expressed concerns about the party's leadership going into 2024 with its worst-ever financial situation and limited focus on both grassroots efforts and supporting the 2020 alternate uh, electors. After the failure of a red wave to materialize in 2022 in the midterms, and as the GOP looks to take back the White House, Republican Party members have criticized the lack of aid the grassroots has received at the RNC and is experiencing financial trouble. Some are pointing to the lack of leadership from RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. I certainly am critical. Uh, it appears that the Republican National Committee has been spending money on some rather particular, peculiar things, including a whopping $1.5 million on floral arrangements, limos, and management, quote, media consultants. Ahead of the RNC's annual meeting, former GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy called for McDaniel to resign. Ramaswamy is not the only Republican critical of McDaniel. Local-level Republicans have also expressed their concerns uh, about McDaniel. You know, the uh, proof of the pudding's in the tasting, and it doesn't taste very good right now with her in charge. We need a change in the Republican Party. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with John Miltimore. He's the editor-at-large at Fee.org. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. Hope you check it out. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. So let our listeners know that uh, you're located in Tel Aviv, and kind of in the eye of the storm, so to speak, what's happening in the Middle East. But let's start off with what the U.S. attacks in uh, Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. What's going on? Well, absolutely. So um, the attacks primarily in Iraq and Syria were a response to the attack by um, people that Iranian-backed rebels on the American base in the corner of Jordan and Syria a week ago that killed three American servicemen. There's a line that's always been drawn in the, by the U.S., you want to attack us, okay, if there's no casualties, we don't really, you know, we don't respond too strongly. But the moment you kill one of our servicemen, or in this case, three of our servicemen, I think two are women, actually, um, we respond vigorously. That's always been the case, and this was the case here. Um, attacking uh, various targets <coughs> of um, Iranian-sponsored militia, both in Syria and Iraq. It was a significant attack, but... There was no attack directly on on Iran, so it was sort of a, a strong message, but not straight at the heart. Uh, the Houthis, of course, the attacks have been going ongoing as the Houthis continue to attack shipping in the Gulf of Aden and in the Red Sea, and of course, that has caused uh, a spike in worldwide shipping rates because right now, if something is being shipped from China to Europe, instead of passing through the Suez Canal, it has to go all around Africa. Egypt itself has lost 60% of its revenue from the Suez Canal. And keep in mind, the Suez Canal provides 25% of the revenue for the Egyptian government. Mm. So we're not talking about something that's small. But uh, isn't there but, uh, some a, a problem with the water level in the canal? No, that's in the Panama Canal. That's Panama. Okay, excuse me. So um, we got all sorts of problems in the world these days. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But but that's the problem in in terms of the Suez Canal, because in order to get to the Suez Canal, you have to go through the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. So a lot of shipping companies are obviously avoiding that, uh-huh. and that's causing a tremendous worldwide problem. And, of course, they've attacked directly attacked American naval ships. Yeah. Again, you don't attack a U.S. Navy ship and not expect responses, let's put it that way. Uh, so the U.S. is, in terms of 
Yemen, it's the traditional role the United States has had since since the Barbary pirates of trying to maintain open open waters and open sea. Uh, the United Kingdom has joined the United States, which used to be their role until UK stopped being a world power. But they do have some some abilities. They've been using uh, some of their fighter jets, and from what I understand. Their one major aircraft carrier, the Queen Elizabeth, is now steaming in the direction of the Red Sea to join the American force there. Uh, uh, so Mark, any any comments about the uh, you know the president of uh, the United States announced you know we're going to do we're going to have retribution for what happened that uh, you can't kill American soldiers, and then uh, the the response was delayed by a couple, of, just giving I think a lot of time for uh, Houthis and others to, uh, prepare for this and perhaps evacuate important areas and so forth. Any thoughts or comments? Uh, well, you know, I think that's a, that's a false flag, quite honestly. I mean, the reality is they waited for, for good weather, which is important, even though U.S. has all weather capabilities. It's a lot easier to hit targets when it's, when the weather is not bad. The weather has been pretty bad in the Middle East in the last two weeks. Um, you also want to, you know, properly claim your targets. You also don't forget, in this case, they use bombers from the United States mm-hmm. as part of the attack force to make a, a statement. Now, look, overall, the policy has one big problem, and U.S. presidents going all the way back have had one major problem, and the fact that the heart of the problem is the Iranian regime. The Iranian regime, from the time they seized American hostages back in 1978, has seen anti-Americanism as one of the key points in who that regime is, anti-Americanism first, and then anti-Israelism, I don't know if that's the right word, but at any rate, mm-hmm. is as the second point, and those two things have been um, central to the identity of the Iranian regime. And I think, I think a lot of people come to the conclusion the only solution to this problem overall, and also the problem of the Iranian nuclear uh, situation where they've now very close to having nuclear weapons because the United States pulled out of the nuclear agreement um, five, four years ago, I guess it was at this point. Um, so the reality is um, the only solution to this is regime change in Iran, something that's very difficult, but the regime is very, very, very unpopular. The United States and Israel are much more popular than, than the government of Iran at this moment. Mm. So that requires a long-term strategy. It's not something you can do in a day or a week. It's something that requires months and maybe years of work, and we really haven't engaged in it both. And no one is really engaged in that as, a, as an overarching goal. Everyone has sort of said, well, we can find a way of living with this regime. And yes, we've found a way of living with this regime, but the regime continues to create problems wherever it is. Well, of course, they, they, had, uh, they lived under Western and modern uh, conditions uh, under the Shah of Iran, and then the overthrow. Now, uh, it just makes me wonder how long the p- people are going to tolerate uh, this kind of leadership. Well, you know, once again, we, we, we've had this discussion over the years. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to use force and kill your own people, it's very difficult to overturn a tyrannical regime. Look what happened in Syria. I mean, Assad killed 600,000 of his own people in order to maintain control. Mm-hmm. Putin, I don't think Putin is very popular at this point, but by all accounts, Putin is getting less and less popular every day as the casualties mount and no one understands why he invaded Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But no one's going to overturn him <clears throat> because <throat> you can't, because you demonstrate you go to jail. Uh, and that's the reality. So if you're willing to use power against your own people, it's very difficult. You know, talk about the fact, how long will the people tolerate? Well, the people will tolerate it as long as they're afraid of being shot and killed. Yeah, And so... Um, it's, you know, it's easy for us to talk that way about in a democracy, how long will we tolerate? But the moment you throw away a democracy and the moment you're willing to use the military against your own people, 
very difficult. Yeah. And the Iranians have made sure that they have, besides the standard Iranian military, they have the Revolutionary Guard, which are much more religious and much more tied to the religious leaders in Iran, and they are the ones who put down the demonstrations and kill demonstrators. Right. Mark, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely. Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Cuyahoga County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He stands for safe, secure, ethical elections in Cuyahoga County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with John Miltobord, uh, editor-at-large for Fee.org. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So uh, right now, again, pointing out to our listeners, you're in Tel Aviv. What's happening right now with, uh, in, with regard to the war between uh, G- Gaza and Israel? Okay, so right now, Israel has basically completed uh, capturing, I would say, 80% of the Gaza at this point, although they don't maintain troops everywhere, which is a problem because Hamas seems to come back in some places. 
Uh, they're still fighting in the city of Khan Yunus. Now, there has been a peace, uh, not a peace proposal, but a ceasefire proposal that would include releasing of some of the Israeli hostages on the table that the United States, Egypt, and Qatar presented to Hamas uh, about a week ago, and Hamas still hasn't given an answer. Mm-hmm. So it's not clear the expectation is they're going to say yes, but. In other words, yes, we, we accept the general idea, but we want changes and that's what, I'm not sure that changes that Israel will be willing to accept, but leave that aside, Hamas hasn't even responded yet, yeah. and we're now pushing about a week. So all those people chanting, ceasefire now, ceasefire now, well, Hamas doesn't seem to want a ceasefire. So uh, that's a little problematic, to say the very least. Yeah. Um, I have to add, when talking about the, peop- the people calling ceasefire now, I mean, I've just been reading articles about people who are denying that the massacre on October 7th even took place. I know. So uh, I mean, a whole I, genre out there. I heard that there, there's about thirty to 40,000 Hamas warriors or soldiers or whatever you want to call these folks. Uh, but uh, how, how big a dent are we making in this force uh, up to this point? The, the general expectation is there are like 30,000, and 10,000 have been killed and another 10,000 wounded. Hmm. But we, you know, that's a... That's a question. We don't really know for sure because we never knew how many there exactly there were. Mm-hmm. Um, they've dented a significant amount of their tunnels, but not all of them because no one even knew the extent of the tunnel stru- instru- instru- excuse me, infrastructure that existed. So that's also a problem. And then add to the other part of the issue is what's going on in the north. Hezbollah keeps on firing in the communities of the northern border, which have been evacuated. Israel keeps on firing back. Uh, right now, an American uh, envoy... Um, Amos Hochstein is in Israel. I think he's going to Lebanon tomorrow to try to negotiate a settlement that would include moving Hezbollah away from the border. It's not at all clear that Hezbollah wants that or is willing to go with that. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. If not, at some point, there'll have to be military t- action against Hezbollah, something Israel really does not want to do. Well, really, again, really as you pointed out earlier, this all goes back to Iran. This is just another arm of the Iranian uh, terror organization. So I mean, when do we really sit down and talk with Iran and uh, figure out how to solve this problem? Sit down. That's a quick question. Go back to what I said about the Iranian regime. They don't want to settle the problem. Right. That's not their, in their interest. They created this whole settlement, these groups. Um, and I don't know that there is a solution with Iran, quite honestly. I don't think we'd sit down with Iran. I don't think we should go to war with Iran. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But we need to undermine the regime. You know, we did it successfully in 1954, so... Let's get those. Um, let's get back some of the experience the CIA and whoever else used to have, and see what can be done. Because that's that's really the only solution here. This regime has to go, and it can't go with you know can't go by war. That 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 window closed when uh, President Bush invaded Iraq instead of Iran. Yeah, that was one of the mar- largest geopolitical mistakes I think that that any president has ever done. No question. So. That's where we stand. Well, Mark, anything else about Israel and Gaza before we move on to Ukraine? No, I think that's about it right now. The Houthis also, every once in a while, send a ballistic missile at Israel, and Israel's missile defense system knocks it down. Yeah. The only good thing that's come out of all this is the missile defense system, not only the, the short-range ones, but Israel has a long, long-range missile defense system, and it works. Mm. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So uh, where are we with regard to Ukraine? Okay, so Ukraine, I mean, there's minor, minor Russian advances. On the other hand, the Ukrainians have been striking deep into Russia and have also pretty much eliminated the Russian Black Sea Fleet, which is really interesting. They don't have a navy, but they've eliminated the Russian Black Sea Navy. The biggest news is really on the, is really on the political military front. The, um, 
EU has uh, come together and finally agreed to $54 billion in aid to Ukraine. That's economic aid. They were able to overcome Hungary had been blocking it. Uh, but the Hungarians, because um, Orban is a, is a little bit of a sycophant to Putin, like some other people in the world, and he was blocking it at, at Putin's request. But they was basically told by the EU, if you can, he was the only country that was blocking it, if you continue doing so, we're going to basically remove your ability to vote in the EU. And so eventually he gave in. Uh, so the EU is giving $44 billion in economic aid, and that's on top of probably about 70 or $80 billion in military aid that all of the individual countries are giving. So at the moment, the EU is giving almost twice as what the United States is trying to give if the Congress ever does what it's supposed to do relating to that. And, of course, part of the problem is some of the American aid, in terms of military aid, the U.S. makes some products that are unique and also has stores of products that the rest of the world doesn't have at the moment, which is one of the biggest problems. Uh, not having enough ammunition, the Ukrainians are having to um, be very careful in the usage of ammunition because it just isn't enough. I think, so, uh, personally, my observation is I, th I think that, that uh, this is going to be stalled in terms of uh, any, any more support from, you know, I said, not, I'm not saying it's going to be discontinued, but certainly stalled as we have this political uh, hassle between the uh, Republicans and Democrats in Congress. No, it's being stalled because President Trump or, wants to stall it. That's what it amounts to. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. The only person who's laughing his head off is, is Putin. And I have to say, I, I strongly believe that some of the anti-Ukraine um, sentiment that's developed in parts of the United States is true to, you know, based on Russian false propaganda that they've managed to use in social media. They're very good at that. Well, in my mind, so, uh, this is all about the our, our own border, and basically the message is we're not going to deal with uh, these other issues until we deal with the border here in the United States. Well, there's a border plan for the moment that's, that's on the table that's in the, that the Republicans negotiated, so I don't know. Um, but again, well, it's, it's true. What, there's they, apples and oranges. The reality is there's apples and oranges. Right yeah. now, Putin is a danger to the world. Putin is the new Hitler, without a question. I, I've said that over the years, and I strongly believe it. And unless we act, um, we'll have to deal with him in a, at a different time without the Ukrainians uh, giving up their lives to fight him. Yeah, the the, so. inter the interesting thing, I mean, he may be in, in uh, many people's mind the new Hitler, but uh, he's not able to win a border, border skirmish with uh, Ukraine. I don't know how he's going to be a threat to the rest of the world. Well, you know, it's it's a question, but um, you know, he's on a, he's in a, he's taken his whole industries and trying to push and create new weapons. I don't know whether they'll succeed. Depends on how strong his alliance ends up being with China. Something we don't want, right? We don't want a strong alliance between China and, and Russia. He has a strong alliance now with North Korea and with Iran. So these are all countries that, that we consider evil. Right. And so he's creating strong alliances with you know, the new axis of evil. And um, we need to act in a way that will counter it. Yeah, that's a good and, point. You know, we need, we, we need to think in geopolitical terms and not in American political terms. That's one of the big problems. You know, we, we used to say that Politics ended at the, you know, at the shores, basically. Mm -hmm. That when it, you know, domestic politics ended at the shores, and when it dealt with things overseas, Republicans and Democrats could get together and do what's best for America. Now politics seems to inculcate everything we do, and that's a problem. Mark, we have so much more I'd like to talk about, but uh, again, we've run out of time before we've run out of things to discuss. So I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Again, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher 
of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, John Miltimore. He is the editor-at-large at Fee.org. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets for some great upcoming performances. Visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us John Miltimore. John is the uh, uh, editor-at-large with Fee.org. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, good to be with you, with you, Bob. Thank you, John. Tell us about Fee.org. Yeah, Fee's been around since 1946. Uh, our mission is to educate the next generation on uh, the importance of economics and economic liberty and individualism uh, and other ingredients necessary to, to build a free and prosperous society. At fee.org, again, F-E-E dot org. I hope you check it out. And introduce it to uh, people at high school or college level in your life 
uh, you'll be doing him a real service. So, John, uh, you wrote a piece about Justin Trudeau. His, his rebuke of, uh, from the court over abuse of emergency power shows why checks and balances are essential to freedom. It's a real object to us, and I think for us here in the United States and what's going on in Canada, maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, you know, they, they say the wheels of justice turn slowly, and I, I guess that's the case here. Um, the the court ruled, made this ruling about two years after uh, Trudeau invoked these emergency powers. And, and, and many listeners probably re- remember this. This was kind of during uh, you know, the COVID pandemic was in full swing. Um, and the Canadian government was doing a lot of things like the U.S. government. They were, they were forcing people to get vaccinated. They were forcing people... Uh, you know, to, to wear masks and, and, and all the, you know, all these different lockdowns and things. And, and some people organized and, and decided they were going to protest this. And a lot of them were truckers. People you probably remember the, the Freedom Convoy was, was the name of, of, of what they were. Um, and what was kind of scary about this, the, the Trudeau government, they, they invoked these emergency powers, which were historically in Canada, you know, this legislation had never been, you know, invoked before, but historically this has been for, um, you know, things like during wars and in insurrections and things like this, mm-hmm. not, not a protest. Um, and, and, you know, they, they brought down the, the, the full force of the federal government. And, and the, the really frightening part was they didn't just do it to the people, uh, organizing. Uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't just the people who were out there protesting, um, they did it to people that were supporting them. They 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 cracked down on them, you know, through things that really um, made it difficult to support them. They started to, to mess with bank accounts, um, freeze bank accounts um, for for companies that were raising money on their behalf. Yeah, um, and, and that's that's really you know that was really troubling to see. So it's great to see the court come down and say no, 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 you you didn't you know have the authority to do this. And refreshing indeed, but I mean, this is—we're talking about the the right of peaceful assembly, secured uh, by the First Amendment here right. in the United States. I don't know if they have anything like that in Canada, but the point being is that. Uh, this is pure political retribution for those that disagree with government policy. And, uh, and of course, we're seeing the signs of it here in the United States, too, which is really scary. Yeah, you know, this is, as you say, these are basic civil rights. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't like a policy, you have the right to, to, to peacefully assemble um, and, and, to, and to show that you, you, you don't like it. Um, and, you know, these these people, you know, we, we saw in 2020 a lot of protesting went too far, right? Like, people weren't... <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, sometimes we call those, you know, mostly peaceful protests, you know, the media did, but people were torching buildings and doing things that wasn't happening here. The worst that could be said was, uh, at, at times they were impeding traffic. And I think that, that raises some important questions. Um, if you, if you are impeding traffic, um, you know, what, how should that be dealt with? Well, they even, they even were, were polite enough to say, okay, we're going to stop doing that. We're just going to honk our horns. And, um, so they're not going to impede traffic, but they are going to make themselves heard at times. Um, and, and, and to use Use the full force of the federal government against a protest like that. I think is really frightening, and I think this is—it's something you know. You know, people both on the right and the left can really learn something from this, um, because I think both the, the people on the left and the right people don't have a lot of tolerance when it's their political enemies that are protesting. We tend to get really angry at people who are protesting mm-hmm. when they're protesting something maybe we we support, but but we have to remember everybody deserves a right to protest. And I think even a bigger lesson in here is is why you know we should be thankful that the court didn't put Justin Trudeau in, in check. Now, do I think he's going to you know, have retribution for this from either voters or, or, or beyond? Probably not, but it just it shows by separating power is so important. 
Um, you know, I remember when I was little, my grandmother explained to me, I'm like, well, why can't the president do whatever he wants? And, and she said, well, we, they, we didn't want a government like that. It'd be too powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's this basic idea, like, being in my head that you don't want all control in one spot. You want to have that power checked. Um, centralized power is the most dangerous force in, you know, that we've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, so, so it's great we have courts and, and, and that Congress has their province over here and the executive branch is here. The problem is we see power just centralizing over, you know, over and over all over the world. Um, and, it, you know, it, it is that reminder. We need to make sure power is dispersed, we, we, that, that power is never held in just, you know, two hands. Well, and, you know, uh, we're talking about evoking emergency powers, which just absolutely ups the ante, if you will, in terms of power. Yeah. And uh, you saw in the United States here that uh, we had two weeks to level the curve, so to speak. We ended up with uh, those emergency powers were uh, in existence for what, like three, over three years, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I don't, that is true. And, and we saw, you know, it was here in our state. I'm from Minnesota. Like, like, well, like I, the emergency powers just went away. You know, like, like you realize, like, once emergency powers are invoked, people never want to want to turn them back over. Right. And you can see, you know, in Canada... How, how the creep happened there, right? Like there was some a law, the Emergency Powers Act, the War Powers Act, which which kind of was was converted into this more. Oh, we, they changed the language, you know, forty years ago to make it much more easy because before it did have to be during war and insurrection. Now, now I said, oh, or or a, you know something with with the public welfare um, and things like this. And, and the, we we want a high threshold because as we've seen. You know, emergencies really are in the eye of the beholder. Right. You know, and, and, and if you make, if you allow politicians to break the law during emergencies, they will find emergencies to break the law. And um, we, we don't want uh, government out of control every time. You know, it's a big world. There's always problems going on. If we make it easy for, for politicians to declare emergencies, we'll see it happening more and more. Well, I guess the only place that we have checks and balances with regard to emergency powers is at the ballot box. We can vote the bums out, so to speak. But, you know, uh, we, when an emergency is going on and when these uh, powers are being used, well, you know, I think that there needs to be something else besides just the ballot box. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's something that it, it relates to a different story I'm working on where the, where the FBI just really came in and, um, broke the law in, in, in a really flagrant manner. And just like Justin Trudeau is, is and, and the problem here is accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like when you, when, when the court comes in and says, wow, you, you, you broke the law, you broke it badly. And then everybody just kind of moves on. And, and that, that's, we need to, to hold, you know, politicians accountable right. or bureaucrats like in the FBI. When, when they do this, we need to find some mechanism because I think what happens all too often is people just move on to the next crisis. And, and the, that politician or bureaucrat really isn't held accountable for some pretty egregious actions. Yeah, absolutely. John, this is such an important discussion. I'm so glad that we had it. I just want to refer our listeners to fee.org, F-E-E.org, and you'll find... Uh, Justice Trudeau's rebuke from court over abuse of emergency power shows why checks and balances are essential to freedom. Here, here, absolutely. John, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Bob. You have a great week. You as well. Thank you, John. All right, coming up, I'm going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Clerk uh, Crystal Kinzel is pleased to announce the registration is open for the fourth annual Valentine's Day Wedding and uh, Vow Renewal Ceremony. It's going to be held on Valentine's Day at the Eva Sugden Gomez Center at uh, Baker Park. So uh, this is a free event, so it's very popular. If you want to renew your vows, and uh, it doesn't cost anything. If you need, if you want to get married, you have to get a marriage license. But uh, again, you can find out more by visiting CollierClerk.com. CollierClerk.com. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several murder mysteries. Really great, entertaining reading. The first is Follow the Leader. Its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and uh, his latest, No Problem, by Jim McTagg. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. 27 degrees here in uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where I retired. And uh, I bet you can't even imagine that. So, so, so I'm reading the newspapers this morning, and I, the Senate uh, re- committee released its uh, immigration bill, and it mentioned that the bill is 370 pages long. And I'm thinking, holy smoke, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to read a 370-page book, let alone a bill. So I'm wondering if that's the, the largest bill ever. So I go to a new search engine that all your listeners should know about because it, it makes you sound like a genius. It's called perplexity. And I, I said, uh, I asked, what is the, the uh, largest bill ever passed by Congress? And immediately and concisely, it tells me, that the uh, Consolidated Appropriation Act of 2021, which was uh, Biden's uh, COVID follow-up bill, 
totaled 5,593 pages. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine? That? I, I bet we still don't know what's in that bill. Well, I, mean, I think, as I recall, Nancy Pelosi's comment when uh, with Obamacare is that we have to pass the bill so we can read it or something <laughs> yeah. to that effect. So, so, so anyway, I've been going to perplexity frequently. It's not perfect. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I chat uh, GT. It sometimes has an error, but the it has fewer errors. It knows its information, which I think is... Uh, very important, and it allows for a, a follow-up. So I was, you know, we've all been reading about the Houthis launching missiles from Yemen, you know, trying to trying to hit our hit our ships. Yeah. And I'm thinking, who are the Houthis? So I go to perplexity, and I find out in a matter of minutes that the uh, that Yemen has 200 to 400 plus tribes, that the country is 65% Sunni Muslim, they lead it, 35% Shia. The Houthis are a Shiite branch. They've been fighting the Sunnis there since 2004, and they uh, also are proxies for Iran, you know, which is a Shiite uh, country. Right. Um, so, and this information came from multiple sources, in, including the uh, CIA fact sheet. And it's, it was, um, it came up as quickly as, uh, as if I were on Jeopardy answering a question. So it's, it's a marvelous uh, resource for, for everybody. It's like having a, a wonderful librarian at your fingertips number one and number two you know there was a there was a book out a few years ago thinking fast thinking slow mm -hmm. which is a very valuable read uh this enables you to think slow in that it answers your initial question but but gives you immediately a chance for a follow-up so so you scratch your head and, and think you know uh what further data do I need to advance my knowledge of this topic? So, so Jim, so. Uh, out of curiosity, I moved from uh, Google to uh, DuckDuckGo primarily for privacy uh, purposes. I didn't want other people knowing. And, you know, of course, Google sells <clears throat> your private information, sells stuff about you. And that's one of the ways that uh, they raise uh, their income. But... Uh, so why, did, why are you considering uh, perplexity instead of Google or, let's say, DuckDuckGo? Well, you know, to be quite honest with you, I just heard about DuckDuckGo yesterday from my daughter, ah. who, who works for the U.S. attorney, and she doesn't want people to be able to uh, find out what she's searching. Sure. So, so, so she uses that search engine. Perplexity, I... I you know, I'm not uh, searching topics uh, that are personal. Mm -hmm. uh, and just because of, of the speed and completeness, you know, for a journalist, it, it's it's a better resource. Yeah. The, who, who's who's uh, running it? Uh, who, who owns the site? Do you know? Or is it Perfectity? Yeah, yeah, I can't pronounce her name. You know what? They're a second generation 
uh, Indian Americans, uh, Russian Americans. They came from Silicon Valley. Mm. <clears throat> they had worked for Google and other tech companies, and they created the, this beautiful search engine. And, and there are two tiers. I'm using the free tier, but there's a you can pay a fee for um, a more advanced tier. And I haven't I haven't explored the uh, the benefits of paying for it. I imagine there's a layer of privacy there. Yeah, well, that's so interesting. Uh, so is the website is perplexity.com? Yeah, or you just type in perplexity. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget if it's .com or or org, but I downloaded. Uh, the app for my iPhone from the App Store. So I have it on my iPad and my iPhone. I haven't downloaded the app on my uh, Windows PC yet, but that you know that's also available. Uh, prior to that, I used Firefox, uh -huh. uh, which is has a layer of uh, security. But again, when you're doing a uh, a Google search, you get bare bones information. Uh, as I said, again, this is like having a super librarian uh, working on your team. And um, it also demonstrates uh, what, you know, where artificial intelligence is taking us. Uh, yeah. That's such an interesting uh, conversation. I forgot the fact that I'd used Firefox once in my back background i found that whenever i changed it was because something was acting up was slow or something happened like that i don't even recall uh what motivated me to make changes but i ended up at DuckDuckGo and very very happy with it yeah i was very unhappy with the chat gt which was the first artificial intelligence so i did a search of my own name and it attributed to me uh like nine or ten books uh, it had me authoring books that the other authors had authored is that and, right so and, well do, do you have anything in the in the pipeline now <laughs> yeah i'm writing a, another uh, murder mystery called bestseller <laughs> see that's my way to get on the bestseller list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh it, it's 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 fun but it's it's going to take me over a year you know, the plotting and, and uh, the writing. And, and let me add that I've become a caregiver. And although I have professionals coming in to help um, caregiving, and I say this lovingly, I give the care lovingly, but it's a, a tremendous strain on one's time. And I'm sure uh, many of your listeners who are uh, in my age bracket, I'll be 75 in May, have similar experiences. Yeah, and, and God bless all of them. Absolutely. Jim McTagg, again, uh, and, uh, when's your book going to be coming out? Well, I think it won't be out until uh, 2025. All right. Well, I just uh, really enjoyed your murder mysteries. The latest, uh, no problem, is a great read. They're all great reads. And again, they have the same characters, so it's a, they're sequels. Uh, uh, no, uh, let's see. Uh, Follow the leaders first, uh, shake the money tree, and it's latest, uh, no problem. Jim, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to have our uh, Florida State Senate President, Kathleen Pasadomo, with us. Boo Mortens will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be with us as well. Uh, if you enjoy the show, I hope you pass on the word to your friends and neighbors. That's one of the ways that... 
Uh, we build our listenership and uh, support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. And I really appreciate your listening to the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.